Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of SAS District. On today's episode, we'll be doing a little bit something a little bit different. Uh, I want to make it a bit more personal for you guys and uh, openly share what's been going on behind the scenes inside Horizon Capital, both good and bad over the last few months. Uh, Post COVID has hit uh, everybody, obviously, and what our plan is for going into Q3. So we'll do something a little different. We'll we're going to review some of the deals that we looked at in Q2, and I have. Uh, Pierre from our team, he's our uh, investment manager. He's going to be talking about kind of what the deals he's looking at, what's been going on, and just share a bit of background. So hope you guys like the show. Uh, Pierre, welcome to the show. For uh... Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Uh, so it's your turn to be on the spotlight today. Uh, for those people who don't know you, you've never been on the podcast yet. Can you share your your background and what you did before joining our team at Horizon? Yeah, no, definitely. So uh, I started my career in private equity, where I, where I was already focusing on small cap uh, companies you know, in a company which is called Isatis Capital. Uh, after that, I moved to uh, PwC in transaction services, where I spent five years between Paris and Sydney, where we learned uh, how to dig deeper into the financials uh, of the companies, really understand you know where the risk lies and how to analyze numbers efficiently. And then after that, uh, I started uh, basically trying to launch my own uh, consultancy practice. And that's where I started meeting you. So uh, I was doing financial analysis. I was doing financial models. Uh, I had the opportunity to uh, start working with the Horizon. Love the idea. And here I am one year later. Yeah, so I, I call you the the financial wizard. You have everything I need. I mean, you're the magician that that makes everything happens with numbers. Um, why did you decide to join the team back in I think it was August 2019 now, so almost a year. Yeah, it was um, and, exactly. And, yeah. What was your thinking so, at that time? So, so basically, when when I started uh, trying to make it on my own, uh, my main purpose was to try a model where I would work remotely 100 persons. And to be honest, that was a hard choice for me because I've kind of always seen me work in private equity. But I thought that the private equity model would be solely uh, in uh, in historical and usual private equity firm where you need to be in Paris, New York, and London. So when I got the opportunity to start working with you, uh, that was the best way to combine my will to, to work remotely and to do exactly what I want in life, work in private equity. On top of that, I looked at the project and our Horizon project. I think that, uh, and I thought and still think that the SaaS businesses are definitely the right market to be looking at because even before COVID, uh, the market was growing increasingly fast. I think COVID is just going to accelerate that. I think we had a good fit, uh, you and me, from the start uh, as well. And I really like the approach of being flexible on how we approach um, the, the different transaction, how we can structure structure it and, and negotiate. And I think the other side of Horizon that I really appreciated is the fact that uh, we acquired the company, but we also have the team to grow the company. And I think that was the only piece that was missing uh, when I was working in private equity, is sometimes I felt like we were just the finance uh, arm uh, or, uh, for the company, and we didn't really, you know, bring a lot on the table in terms of growing the company. So now I feel, I feel like we're at a 360 um, added value to the company we invest in. All right, you're you're now you're no longer just a bank with a with a 
with a check to write, right? Um, what's your main focus exactly. at the moment? What do you do for, so you're the investment manager with us. Um, what does your day-to-day -day yep. look like for people who are, who are speaking to you? Yeah, so, so I'm actually doing a lot of things because uh, I think it goes with the entrepreneurial uh, state of mind in which we are at Horizon. So I can end up writing an article in the morning uh, looking at financial news and the market uh, uh, during, during my lunch, then uh, manage the, the interns on doing some financial analysis and review of the opportunities we have. And then uh, during, during the late afternoon, I'm going to reach out on LinkedIn to potential targets, engaging in conversation, having, having calls, introductory calls with CEOs. Uh, so pretty much full on, uh, full on uh, day where everything is so interesting. So uh, I guess the main challenge that we have at the, at the moment, especially, uh, especially with uh, the current team that we have, is we're getting a lot of traction at the moment. So we're re reviewing quite a few deals uh, and very uh, interesting uh, ones. And at the same time, we want to keep on the momentum and still want to uh, build our, our deal flow. So I'm really trying to manage my time between focusing on finding new deals, reaching out to, to new CEOs and getting the current deals done. Okay, so managing kind of both sides of the equation. Um, so if anybody of that is looking to sell their, their SaaS company or looking for some investment, you're probably the first person you need to talk to would be Pierre. He yeah. looks at all the, the numbers and whatnot. Um, so I yeah, thought exactly. I'd do something. Send, send me your IM. Be happy to. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so. I want to do something a little different. I thought to make this kind of more fun. I think a lot of people like to see what's going on behind the scenes and kind of dissect some deals live here. Um, so yeah. we picked three deals before sure. before the call that we've been reviewing in the last couple of months. Some we are deciding to move forward with. Some we're still in conversation with. And one I think we're we're still. I don't think we're going to get to a deal, and we'll explain why. So um, sure. maybe you know, let's get deep into the details. What is the revenue? What is the churn? What is the age? Uh, what kind of valuation are we paying? What are the risks we're looking at? Um, why did we decide to move forward and why we didn't so that other people can learn and apply the same things here. So feel free to start off with any one of them. Obviously, don't na label any names, but uh, you can say the industry yeah. at least. Yeah, of course. So uh, to just start with the kind of structure and investment criteria that we have, uh, generally speaking, we're going to look at companies that generate between 500K and $5 million in revenue annual. Uh, that have been going uh, in business for at least three years. Um, ideally, they've been in business for at least five to seven years. I, I think that would be more, more sweet spots that have a churn rate of less than 5% per month and an LTV of more than 1,500. Um, simply because since our, our business model is to increase revenue through investing in digital marketing, we do need this kind of operational metrics uh, for, for us to make uh, sense and to be able to uh, drive in, in, and accelerate the revenue. So in terms of the three um, opportunities, I think we can start with, uh, with the first one. They're basically uh, offer, offering marketing platforms specialized, uh, uh, sorry, focused on um, industrial sellers for, sorry, on, uh, on seller of construction products. Um, and which is directed to architects, uh, construction, construction manufacturer, and that allows them to present their product in a very detailed way and help uh, architects make their choice uh, and, and select the product and buy it on the platform. 
So we've been looking at the deal for quite a long time now because it was postponed due to COVID. And we can say that we're really happy uh, with what they managed to deliver. Uh, so they're, they're still pretty small in terms term of uh, revenues. They're at around 500K. Their churn rate is like 3 4% per, per month. So it's reasonable. Um, and in terms of valuation, we're looking at their growth rate. Uh, they've been growing at approximately 20% year on year. Not uh, super profitable, but still making a profit. So we kind of uh, offer the valuation more in the 2.5, three, three times revenue range because we feel like that they've demonstrated uh, they managed to go through COVID um, quite successfully, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. even though uh, we don't think the market is that big, right? Uh, you're not going to have, to have a hundred of billion dollar markets. We do think that the market is growing, is big enough, and we do think that compared to their competitors, they are one of the best out there. Their platforms is really well done. Uh, just having a look at it, you, know, you can see how well designed uh, um, the, their platform here is. And since we know a bit about uh, the back end, we also know, so know they are very well positioned to you know, get a lot of market shares. Uh, and post-COVID, we do believe that it will accelerate uh, the growth of the market with all the architects and manufacturers going more and more online. So we've been to a point where now we're ready to close deal with them and we're pretty excited about it. So right, right about 500K in revenue and you said 2.5. I think our, our offer and what we're looking at is around that 1.3 million, right? Is what we're, we're looking to close at. Um, wh what was the LTV yeah. on that? And uh, why, was it, why was the seller looking to sell that business at this point? If they're growing 25% or 20% year over year, I think they had a team of about 10 people on there. So he has a, a decent team, he's growing. Uh, you know, salespeople has a good product. Why was he selling? Yeah. And, and yeah, yeah, no, for sure, very great questions. Uh, so the LTV when we first started to look uh, at the company was around two thousand five hundred dollars, uh, but it has been growing simply because they also managed to upsell their their current client and they managed to increase their price as well. Mm -hmm. uh, so L LTV is growing as we speak, basically. The reason why uh, they sold uh, and they were looking to sell, and I think that's definitely the, the kind of conversation that, uh, that we like to have, is the business is more than eight or nine years old. So the founder is a first-time founder. He has created a very great product, managed to bring it to 500K uh, uh, dollars in annual revenue, which I think is a very good achievement, especially if, uh, when that's your first company. And he got to a point where he wants to move on to another project. He wants to be able to cash out on his project, right? Uh, and cash out on his years of work uh, and move on to, to something new. So I think we're uh, the right partners uh, in, in that sense because he also wants the company to still growing. He still see that uh, not just as something he built to, uh, to, to be sold, but as, as his baby. And by partnering with us, his hope uh, is that we're going to continue growing uh, that company. And uh, also we're trying to go to expand to the United States. So it's pretty, pretty exciting moments. Yeah, I'm, I'm personally super excited about this. I know we've been chatting with this this company since yeah, post uh, back in 2019. Uh, we were planning to close or send an LOI back, I think in January or February. Uh, COVID hit, we wanted to see the impact of how it affected as a lot of things. Sure. And then obviously travel restrictions. So we're hoping to 
you know, they're based in the UK. Once travel kind of opens up, we'll we'll go down and try to close that deal by September. So yeah, personally, super excited to grow that company. Uh, what's number two? Let's let's hear the second one. Yeah. Okay. So so number two, they're specialized uh, in emailing. They they basically allows you or allows a company to have send personalized email or for each of their customers based on their browsing history, based on the data they have in, in their database. And the email is going to, uh, the content in the email is going to update every time you open the email, depending on the time of the day and depending on uh, what your activities in the past few days were, basically. So we thought that was totally aligned with, uh, with our investment criteria because marketing, sales, and every tools related to productivity are part of our um, major verticals. And also because your background is in digital marketing, so uh, that makes a lot of sense for us to, to acquire this type of companies. Started looking at the revenue. Uh, they had around um, 2 million in revenue uh, from, from memory. We thought that we could really strike a deal at around a $3 million valuation. Um, however, it turned out that when we get to a later stage, and we looked at, at the different uh, information around pipeline and breakdown of customers. The first thing that we saw is that a few customers, because they're more targeting enterprise level customers. So we know that the sales cycle is longer, which, uh, which is a certain level of risk for us, especially in the current COVID situation. Uh, they had two customers that were represented uh, together, like 25 or 30% of, of their revenue, which is another issue. It appeared from our conversation that uh, a lot of uh, the uh, commercial relationship was dependent on one particular person at each company. So that means that we're taking a lot of risk by acquiring the company because we may lose that relationship. And what we were really worried about was the pipeline because we felt like uh, compared to the size of the revenues, the pipeline at the moment was pretty weak. So we still were interested in the technology in acquiring the company. However, we would have been comfortable acquiring that company only uh, at a lower valuation, around 2.5 million. And also, we needed uh, to uh, a high level of burnout just to make sure that we were not losing those customer post-transaction. And those were not aligned well with the objective and the financial objective of uh, the owners. So at this moment, uh, the, the, uh, this deal is, is unposed, um, maybe in a few years. Yeah, yeah, I really like that company. I mean, the product itself, right, the dynamic uh, changing and personalization of each email, um, a good sized team, right? They had about 10 people or so. They were very focused on product. They even said, we don't know how to grow this. We tried to hire marketing and salespeople and it just failed every time. Um, so I think it was a good fit on that way, but yeah, when it's, you know they presented, uh, I think it was yeah almost two million, and then when we looked deeper into it, there was a couple of them that churned. Uh, some were actually no longer active. Some were on pause. So when you go look to the actual what we can expect in sales, I think it was closer to like one point one. So we said, wait, well we're yeah. not going to pay three million upfront if even this one point one, a lot of it is dependent on two or three clients if we lost them, you know, which is highly, you know, not highly, but it is possible in this this uh, environment. So we tried to structure it to say, okay, we'll, we'll give you something. We do still want to work with you. Uh, but they were looking for, I think, close to three and a half, at least million uh, for their price, right? Of what they were looking to sell for. And I think yeah. we just, we, just couldn't, yeah. we couldn't reach. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah Exactly. So. And, and we couldn't reach an agreement 
just looking mm -hmm. at all the contracts that were on pause, uh, also because part of their customer were actually travel agencies or related to, to tra travel travel companies. So exactly. yeah, in, in the current situation, we, we, we feel like we couldn't uh, come up to, to the valuation. Yeah, I like the enterprise size. I mean, the, all these deals were, you know, long-term contracts, 40 to 100,000 a year, which was, was good. Huge exactly. LTVs and sticky, but yeah. Uh, let's see if they ever come back, and hopefully we can we can have another conversation. Yeah, cool. and, and they were also pretty they were also pretty good from from product perspective because we're basically saying that fifty percent of of their leads were picking them, and the other person was picking the leaders on the market. So to me, that's actually a good sign uh, that they managed to, uh, uh, to to compete directly with the bigger guys out there. Exactly. Cool. Uh, what's number three? Yeah. Let's get to the last one. Yeah, so so number number three is also an interesting opportunity, very different from what, what we have seen before. But I do believe that there is definitely room for us to get involved and strike a deal um, uh, at the end of the road. So these guys are specialized in analysis of tweets uh, on Twitter. Basically, mm -hmm. they're able to um, to generate reports on how a specific hashtag is trending, for instance, or giving you some, some insight on how your brand is perceived uh, on uh, on Twitter. And so we believe that they've built an, a really good product. Uh, they've been experiencing growth for the past two years. However, they are at a point where, from their world you know, themselves, they have no idea how to grow the business. So. I'd be, I strongly believe that they are really good at product development. They have a lot of good ideas. They also have a lot of good product in the pipe, uh, but they struggle a bit on how to focus on the right product and how to grow it to make it financially viable and profitable. Uh, and I believe that if they're open, for my discussion, if they're open to sell at the moment, it's not necessarily that they want to sell. It's just that they don't see any other solution because they see themselves going nowhere. So I do believe uh, that we can add a lot of value on that one by partnering with them first, because the company is too small at the moment for us to acquire. What's the size of it? Uh, it's uh, around 400k in, in revenue. Okay. And yeah, uh, just... so, so so it's under our threshold. Uh, even their profitability, um, I mean, they are just break even or slight, slight, slightly uh, not profitable. Uh, so the metrics don't look good enough for, for us to acquire acquire them, especially because they are at that stage where, for for them to make sense, uh, to, uh, for them for a transaction to make sense, they would need at least a million dollars. I reckon, mm -hmm. and I really understand that, right? They've been working on the product, they they they, um, they give value to the, to the product, to the IP, to what what they they built. However, us looking at the number from a financial perspective, one million would uh, would be way too risky. Mm. So I think you know, the, the very good deal that we, we can, could make with them would be for us to get involved on a partnership level uh, where we would help them grow the company because uh, with your expertise and, and, and the, the expertise of, of our team, I do think uh, that we would be the right fit uh, to, to, to improve the pricing, to improve the, um, the positioning and, um, and, and the digital marketing. And mm. if we can grow the company together, then it's easier for us to make a transaction and buy the company when it's at two million dollar or three million dollars uh, revenue, and I think it's a really win-win situation because 
us we would be buying a good company that we already know. So we considerably reduce our risk. And from the, 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 the seller perspective, he would, he would get a, a several million out of it instead of sending it for one million now. Yeah, yeah. And it's the funny thing that that founder actually reached out to me on LinkedIn. He actually found me through Nathan Latka's uh, yeah. YouTube live session. So if you guys haven't checked that out, I was on the, a Shark Tank session. Shout out with to Nathan. Na- yeah, yeah. Nathan's a good guy. So uh, I was on there. He found me and uh, now we're in a conversation to hopefully partner together. Um, yeah, that's, that's a great company. I see, I see lots of potential with it. And I can see it's a little messy in terms of their, their operations and how they run the business. But uh, product looks good. And I, I think we can do some good things. And I think they're they're based in Spain. I think they have a good in-house team there. Um, so another European deal. So three out of three there that we talked about. Interestingly, yeah. all based in Europe. Yeah, yeah, yeah cool. that's true. So, so <laughs> that, that must tell us uh, that maybe the traction is in Europe instead of I, in the United States. I guess, yeah. We might have to change our model there. Um, what impact in, in deals and conversations have you seen with the, you're having, you know, what, seven, eight, nine conversations a week with entrepreneurs. Yep. Um, how has COVID affected them? How has it affected their, their, their cash flow? How has that affected our deal flow in the last few months? So I would tend to think that I've not seen a clear impact on COVID on the conversation. And I think it's because people who have been really impacted by COVID doesn't answer our call. Uh, simply. Uh, uh, I think what we've seen is we have had more conversation of, of companies raising funds uh, or trying to sell because of COVID because they're running out of cash because of it. Uh, or we've also had some conversation of people in the, who were in the middle of raising funds before COVID and their investors kind of bail out on them. So that now they're, they're, they're trying to um, they're, they're trying to get um, get funds to, to get going. Mm-hmm. But overall, I was expecting more conversation of people trying to sell, to sell their business because they were seeing their sales decline. We, I personally haven't seen, seen a lot of that. I think the conversation I had were most, mostly people who were resilient with COVID. Um, I guess the other, other small issue that we may have is some people would have been perfect target for us pre-COVID actually are not anymore because they see so much traction that their valuation expectation is way above what we'd be mm-hmm. able to offer. Interesting. Yeah, it's funny that I, I remember when uh, COVID first hit back, I think when we were, we were having this conversation, I think in February or March, um, you know, we were talking to a lot of other investors or buyers and they were just looking for all these opportunities. They're just on sharks and looking for all these Companies that were gonna be suffering and just b- pounce on them, and I guess they're they're not there, right? We haven't seen them anyway, so I don't I don't know if there was some of those opportunities happen in transactions, but um, yeah. I think the the ones and, and that got hit hard would just failed miserably, right? I mean, like you see that like in airlines or or you know some of the big guys, right? Yeah, and and I remember the conversation we had just when COVID hit, when we were trying to see how we could twist our approach. Uh, and deciding deciding whether we would try to target companies uh, uh, hit by COVID or that we would try to reduce our valuation. And at the end, we basically decided to keep our valuation at the same level, uh, but maybe add more earn-out components because we thought that would be more fair uh, to the companies. And I do think that was the right approach, uh, looking bad at it, because the conversation I had are people who managed to go through COVID. So they wouldn't it wouldn't feel right for them to accept a lower valuation because they've proven 
uh, that they could make it uh, through um, through the current situation. However, they generally understand that obviously the current situation is still unstable, and that the earnout piece is to give us um, the certainty that we're paying for what the company is going to deliver within the next six or twelve months. Exactly, and I think that was a we made a good shift. We had a good conversation at that point where. All of our deals were on hold. I know some of our investors were maybe uh, a little bit, you know, uh, on edge, which is understandable. Uh, so we said, okay, well, what can we do? <laughs> yeah. So we said, let's shift our focus a little bit. Let's try and help some entrepreneurs here grow their business. Maybe we can apply our playbook to help them grow and maybe uh, from there move into some acquisition or other partnership level. Uh, two companies we, we did start working with, Dropsend and Postalytics. Um, they start, so we're starting for both of those, we're doing a conversion rate optimization program to help them improve their conversions and signups. Uh, and then eventually we'll move to, you know, SEO, some paid advertising. We see a lot of huge opportunity with both those companies. Um, and that's what we're, we're doing right now and we're working with. So, uh, we like those partnerships as well, because, you know, those are some people are just not ready to sell, but we said, let's, let's still work together here. Um, and then we can both win in the end. Right. Yeah, I really like that approach because you also keep the conversation going. It makes a lot of sense for us when you reach out to, to entrepreneurs because we can help them either by acquiring them or by helping them raise funds or helping them on the digital marketing side. And that makes the conversation so much interesting to, uh, for us because we're ticking a lot of boxes and of uh, a lot of the needs that uh, they may have. Exactly. Exactly. And then uh, another shift we made. So not only that is, you know, once we decided to really double down on our deal flow and hit it hard during this period, while you know, deals were maybe on hold is we decided to hire interns. So we brought on uh, at least two, right, full time on our team. They, they joined us a couple of months ago to help us review deals. Uh, we give them the insights on how to analyze the, the companies um, in exchange of, of learning. Um, can you share a little bit, you know, what the process was there and, and uh, you know, how that experience has been in the last few months with you, you leading that? Yeah, no, no, definitely my experience uh, with the two interns has been really great. I really appreciate uh, uh, their help. And uh, I'm trying to touch base with them on a daily basis and also to uh, to have monthly <coughs> proper official feedback uh, from, from from them to make sure uh, that they appreciate the experience. And so, so far, my understanding is they're really happy with the learning experience. Because uh, so the deal in taking on interns is for them to help us out with the outreach, uh, with um, all the different tasks that we don't have the time to do on our, on our own. And in exchange, we provide them proper training, uh, take time to sit with them virtually, obviously, uh, and explain all the different steps of a deal and all the different negotiation structure. And we're really trying to involve them in uh, all the conversation that we have uh, with entrepreneurs. Uh, and I, I think it's really a win-win situation as well because uh, one of the interns who has been with us the longest is now at a point where he definitely step up and he's handling the outreach by himself. He's uh, getting, the, uh, getting some really good calls booked. And then he's on handling the conversation as well with the CEOs. Right, presenting the, converse, uh, the the company, presenting Horizon or different services, uh, also asking questions about the financials, having generally very good insight on based on his own experience. 
And I'm always here in the, uh, as a backup when it is like that, you know, you reach a point where you don't you know how to answer. So I think that relationship has been going very well. Um, with the older one, uh, we've been a bit more focused on the financial analysis part of it. And since, since I've been there, especially with my training uh, at PwC, I know how it feels like and how overwhelming it can be to start with a lot of financial analysis, start, starting from scratch. So I'm really trying uh, to work with him on making him understand how to be as efficient as possible and the importance of presenting uh, the, fi the financials in a, in a nicely formatted way. Because mm. sometimes, especially when you're, uh, where you're a younger analyst, you kind of picture financial analysis as something cool where you're going to analyze uh, stuff. What you don't realize is uh, in real life, a lot of time needs to, uh, to be taken just to present those financials in a nice way, which is going to increase uh, and make the whole process way faster. And you need to think about other people which get involved, like you, for instance. If you open a data pack for the first time, you don't want to see numbers all over the place. And if everything is clearly defined and summarized, uh, everyone saves time. Exactly. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. So I'm, I'm also super uh, grateful to have both of them, Maxwell and James. So shout out to them. Um, yep. We are also, I know Pierre is also in the current process of hiring at the moment. We are looking to add at least one or two more interns uh, in the coming months. So if you guys are looking for an opportunity, uh, collect with, connect with Pierre on LinkedIn, or you can hit me up on Twitter at Akil Jabbar. Yeah. Um, so I, I want to talk about another point here. So we, you're usually having, we talk about seven to nine new conversations with founders every week. Uh, what's the number one reason we're saying no to these deals? I think we, we say no to maybe 95% of the opportunities to, that come our way, right? So we're viewing all this yeah. thing. What do people think we are and we're not? Exactly. So the one reason why we say no is because people see private equity, they think we do capital raise. So we do provide m and advisory to help them raise funds, where we're going to handle the whole process from uh, putting together the IMs, the financials, uh, looking for the right investor for them and helping them in the negotiation. That's something. We, however, we don't invest ourselves in companies that are looking to raise capital. What uh, we, uh, the core focus on our, our business model is to acquire companies. And I see a lot of confusion uh, because we get a, a, a lot of people reaching out to us thinking that we're going to be the one investing capital in, in, into their company. And gen so generally speaking, the main issue we have with that because we could consider doing capital raise if the company uh, uh, add exactly the metrics we're looking for. But generally speaking, the companies that reach out to us, they're more VC type. So they're looking for a 10 times revenue valuation multiples. They've been growing 100% year on year. And that's definitely not our business model in terms of acquisition. Acquisitions, VC, two separate things, guys. We're not a VC. Uh, we don't want 10%. Uh, we do majority buyout. So unless you're, or at least, uh, yeah, you have to be a certain, th certain threshold. So we don't do pre-revenue as well. We get a lot of those. We're just starting off. Um, so yeah, just, just to be clear there, um, just, I want to share kind of people who, who try to understand what our timeline looks like. Um, let's look at this one deal that we, we are looking to close in now in September. Uh, when did we first start that conversation with them? So how long altogether uh, did it take to close right now? Or let's, let's remove yeah. COVID in, in the middle. 
Yeah, the, the, so that's actually a funny question because I remember uh, I read a blog post on, uh, on private equity investors who, who were detailing all the emails or who was counting all the emails he exchanged with the target before closing and, and, and saying how many emails on average it was. And given the number of emails and conversations we had so far, I, I reckon that's kind of something I'm going to do uh, with, uh, if we close this deal. So we started the conversation around November, I believe. Okay. Uh, we were to a point where we were ready to make an offer in just before March. Uh, obviously, we had to postpone the deal for, for four months due to COVID. And so we restarted the conversation last month. And now we're at the point where we just issued a LOI. So I will... Taking the assumption that there is no COVID, uh, I reckon uh, in four or five months, we'll get to a point of LOI, and then we are counting two more months to close the deal. Would be so six months. Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, six months. And things could, could have been faster. Uh, generally, the, um, uh, the rapidity or the, um, the timeline of a deal is also highly dependent on the responsiveness of, of, the, of the CEO. Uh, in, in this case, I reckon it has been fair, fairly responsive. However, since we had also some metrics that we wanted to confirm uh, and look if the trends in revenue were being confirmed, uh, I reckon that deals took a little bit longer than what they could have been if we were sure 100% from the start and we were 100% comfortable with everything. Exactly. And I think they also had a, a bunch of investors on their cap table that they had exactly. to run decisions with. So it wasn't just a one person uh, decision making. Um, so, I mean, yeah, six months, I think that's pretty realistic, right? If we can get us things as quickly as possible, uh, there's a lot of back and forth, getting to a deal. And then, you know, we typically like to close within 60 days. So I guess, uh, you know, let's call it four months when we start conversations. Uh, we like to close the deal short, short as possible. So, yeah, at least looking to do at least two or three deals a year. Um, so just wrapping this up, I guess, you know, review. So that was kind of Q2. Moving into Q3, uh, hoping to close at least one of these deals uh, for September. Possibly at least one more would be a, a good win. Hopefully if travel opens up, things go back to normal, whatever that is. Um, yep. Possibly uh, looking to hire internships in the next month or two. A couple, At least two, I think, is what we're looking for. So, so basically for the interns at the moment, we're looking for... One uh, intern who's kind of the same pro profile of the two we already have would be focused on uh, deals origination and working more mm -hmm. on the PE side, uh, focusing on either reaching out, reaching out to potential target acquisition targets, reaching out to uh, new network, helping us build our own network uh, mm -hmm. and participate in, in calls. And we're also uh, looking for a more experienced intern uh, like ideally someone with two or three years of investment banking experience, just finishing up his MBA um, to work on the MNA advisory side of Horizon. Got it. And I think I'd like to open up one other spot if there's any SaaS owners who are looking for a partnership for, for growth marketing. I think in Q3, uh, we'd be open to working with one other company if you guys need help in your growth and you have a sustainable growth or, or revenue size or open to that. Uh, what else do you see in Q3? I'd, I'd like to focus a lot more on marketing. So you'll see a lot more podcasting, uh, you know, try to make a little better. We have a few more team members coming on to help us expand our, our marketing to build our inbound engine. What else do you see as uh, some yeah. good targets to hit and we can look back in? 
Yeah. So, so what I would really like to do, I think we've been really good uh, at uh, getting together uh, SOP and process to reach out to potential targets. Uh, I think we've been a bit behind on really building the network from uh, of professionals to get referrals. So we'd be reaching out to, um, um, to lawyers, reaching out to VCs and really building that, that network of people who can think about us and reach out if uh, if they had deals uh, that correspond to, to our investment criteria. I'd like to focus on that while keeping you know, the same momentum uh, on what we've already uh, managed to achieve so far. Awesome. So guys, if, you're, uh, if you know somebody uh, in your network who's looking to sell their business, you know, send them our way. We do provide a referral fee as well. So uh, happy to, to compensate you guys for, for that time and effort. Um, cool. This was, this was fun, Pierre. I think hopefully you guys yeah, enjoyed this. Yeah, yeah, I think it was good. We, we, we want to try something different this time. If you guys did like this, you know, obviously share your feedback um, and we'll try to do this again every quarter at least and give you guys an update of what's going on, share with you guys what's, and uh, if you have any questions you guys would like for us to answer on here and uh, we're an open book in, in general, uh, whatever is not, we don't have hidden behind an NDA, we'll, we'll share with you guys, right? Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, no, that was fun. Let's try to make, make it a quarterly thing. Sure, okay. Awesome. Thank you so much, Pierre, guys. And uh, thanks again for, for everything. Cheers. Bye. Cheers. Bye. Thank you all for listening in to today's episode. Don't forget to join us for another episode where we interview top leaders and experts in the business and SaaS industry. If you enjoyed this episode, I ask that you please give us a five-star review on iTunes. That would be really, really appreciated. Otherwise, if you have any feedback, suggestions, or improvements for this podcast, please feel free to send it directly to me on our website at horizoncapital.com. Or you can just tweet me at Akil Jabbar. Thanks again, and hope to see you guys on the next episode.